my deck. I'll I'll I'll, I'll scratch yours. So this is the first ever You Scratch My Deck, I'll Scratch Yours. Uh, I'm here with superstar DJ Alex Cooper, uh, coined the phrase DJ Juice in return in, in uh, terms of Red Stripe yes. earlier this week. Actually, it? I stole that off uh, Clint Boone. He, right, uh, yeah. he posted it, I thought it was the most adequate thing that every, ter- every place you DJ, you get given Red Stripe. This is absolutely <laughs> 100% true as well, and a more accurate thing than I've ever read uh, this week. So. Um, we're going to start pretty much straight away because we haven't got a sponsor yet, um, but maybe Alex Cooper's DJ Juice could be the pretend sponsor for this particular <laughs> podcast. It's a shame we don't have a crate of it to split between us, yeah, but I've heard, yeah, but production costs are pretty low so far. <laughs> uh, we're currently sat in the, a quite sweaty dressing room, and we're going to crack on with some questions for for Alex now. So, first of all, we're going to play some music because you're a DJ and picking songs and playing them for a living is pretty much what you do. Yeah. Basically. So I'm going to ask you some questions based around sort of um, your memory of music and things that you're really enjoying at the moment, the songs you like to play out and stuff like that. So the first um, song I'd like you to pick is one of the earliest songs or bands you can remember hearing. And can you remember where you heard yeah, so I've gone for Don't Look Back in Anger by Oasis. Yeah. Um, it's one of my earliest kind of music memories. It must have been 95. Yeah, yeah. Sat in the back of my dad's car. We got a Now cassette. Yeah, it was great. On there. I think Common People was on there as well. Yeah, yeah, that, yeah. That was one of the, I kind of just remember, like, you know, go on road trips and that come on on the cassette and we'd all be singing along to it. So. And it's, it's a classic as well. And it's, yeah. when you hear it now, do you still think about... That, do you ever think about then, or does it is it got a completely different meaning think, to you now? I think after the Manchester bombings last year, it yeah. kind of took on quite a different meaning for everyone. Yeah, it took on a life of its um, own. Yeah, I think it was such a kind of poignant moment with that woman, you know, singing it in the square that it, it did take on life of its own. But there is still a lot of it in the back of mind that yeah. still got you know happy memories of being a kid so great so Oasis don't look back in anger and we'll be back with you very shortly Get into if we get into the interview now. Yeah. Um, so first of all, um, we're going to do a little bit of an introduction about you because maybe some people will know who you are that are listening. Maybe some people won't. So if we can talk about uh, who you are, where you're from, a bit about your background uh, in regard to playing music, uh, how you got into DJing, and sort of some of your favourite achievements so far. Yeah. Uh, so um, a resident DJ um, at the Lead Mill and the Washington Green Room 
wherever else will have so me. So some fantastic indie venues in Sheffield, if anyone doesn't know yeah, where like they all, are. Yeah, all the kind of big independent places um, that are kind of quite well-renowned for the music, I think. Mate, absolutely. Um, I, I kind of first got into DJing by sheer dumb luck more than anything yeah um me and my friend it was kind of it was 2012 and me and my friends used to go every wednesday night to this night at viper rooms strangely enough that we're doing modern soul and then yeah. indie yeah, yeah so it was kind of like right up our street uh, what was that called Mo- uh, it Mo- was Mo- called Mo- neighborhood uh, and it was with the modfrit dj right okay um and darren gray the modfrit dj just kind of got chatting to him every week we were there every week and he just kind of said one week it's like she fancy giving it a go for half an hour. I was just like, absolutely, yeah. Well, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's not yeah, something yeah, I yeah, ever yeah. thought about. I think maybe everyone kind of thinks, oh, I'd love to be a DJ, but never really. Yeah, yeah. Actually, so I was quite fortunate in the fact that somebody just said, kind of olive branch, if you will. Yeah. Yeah, so we did half an hour, I think at Viper Rooms initially, then we did another half an hour at the Green Room. Um, and then, again, with DJing in general, with the industry, look plays a lot in when you get your gigs. Oh mate, absolutely, yeah. It's not what you know, it's who you know and where you are at what time. Yeah, yeah so it just so happened that when I was doing my half an hour set, they just fired one of their Friday night DJs and were looking for a new resident to come in. Can you remember what was one of the first songs that you played? And um, were, you, were you nervous about like the, the songs that you picked on those f- sort of first nights or were you like yeah, quite it was confident? Yeah, it was quite nerve-wracking, kind of thinking you know, I'm in charge of the music now, like, oh my god. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah, yeah. I think one of I think I played uh, Gloria Jones Tated Love, which oh, yeah. in the green room is an absolute classic. Huge and, tune. Um yeah, people yeah. were loving it. I think there were a couple of northern soul dancers in kind of shuffling around so yeah. it kind of went yeah. It went went pretty well the first couple of gigs. And looking back on that now, how how you felt, like how nervous you were and, and the the tunes that you were picking and like, oh is this is this right for this? And oh, I'm in charge of the music now. When you're stood on the main stage in the lead mill, DJing to a thousand people, do you ever look back on, on those early days and think how far I've come? And oh, how, oh yeah, absolutely. And do you ever feel that nervous anymore, or do you? I think I think yeah, I still get I still get nervous, particularly when I'm at the lead mill uh, for big events. Um, it's things like New Year's Eve, which I absolutely love doing, but when you stood in front of a thousand people thinking it's New Year's Eve it's the biggest night of the year yeah yeah, uh, yeah. you, you kind of you stood on that famous stage where the Arctic Monkeys have played and Pulp yeah. have played and then you go all the greats all the greats and, yeah, then you go, yeah. and now somehow I've kind of blagged my way up here <laughs> so you're talking about these big gigs have you got anything you know like any gig in particular that really sort of stands out for you that you were like you sort of walked away afterwards and it doesn't even have to be a big gig but like you really felt like that was sort of a, a milestone or, or a night that you would never sort of forget playing um, at. I think I think quite a lot of time, the best gigs that I've walked away from, the ones that I've enjoyed the most, haven't been the ones that seem like they're going to be the biggest. Uh, most of my favourite ones have been at Leadmill. Um, yeah. And there's, you know, there's certain nights where you've just got the right crowd in. Yeah. You know, you get them, they get you. Um, I think probably my favourite ever gig that I've done there was after the Milburn show at Don Valley Bowl. Amazing. Um, I was up at Leadmill afterwards. I think at half the people that were at Don Valley were in Leadmill. Trundled up, yeah. Um, Joe Carnell, the lead singer of Milburn, he did an hour. Um, and yeah. just everyone was just in such a party atmosphere. Yeah, that, yeah. Like, 
it's it's very rare that when you're DJing you get people up on the sh- each other's shoulders crowd surfing yeah, to the sets. Yeah, mate, absolutely. Sometimes when, when you just strike the right chord and people are wanting to crowd surf, you kind of go, yeah, this is cool. <laughs> you can't just walk into any any room and, and create that. Like no. that, that comes like here and there, doesn't it? Yeah, so, I, th- I think it comes with experience as well, knowing oh, how to big try time. and create it out of almost nothing. Yeah. Or if you got it and then you lose it, how to get it back again? Absolutely, yeah, and and that can be that can be quite daunting in, in itself, especially in, in a sort of big room situation. Oh yeah, absolutely. and uh, and I've seen I've seen you play Leadmill and it's fantastic. Like you you you've got that room in the palm of your hand most of the time, even when you might not even feel yeah. like you do. I, I, I often come there's in quite, and enjoy there's quite, it. quite a lot of time where you think you've kind of lost the crowd or you you're not having a particularly good night, and then yeah. you know it can affect your mindset and you can walk away feeling really quite depressed and disheartened by it and thinking no, like, big time like, there's been gigs I've walked away as like yeah I kind of I got into this job by by dumb looking like yeah, somehow yeah. someone's allowed it to get this far but like I feel like a bit of a fraud to be honest like yeah yeah mate I, I think everyone I think everyone I've spoken to about it can can absolutely uh, like sympathize with that and, and feel the same the whole sort of walking walking away and, and feeling disappointed and downheartened Mm. after after a show is because often you don't really get feedback directly from the crowd unless they're sort of really ha- you know they're singing along and having a good time then at the end they just leave yeah it takes like um like sometimes my favorite gigs that i do is a gig where it might just be nowhere it might just be like sort of a bar set in, in a random bar it doesn't really matter at the end of the night one person will come up to me and be like that was really good yeah and that's all i i mean it's not like I need constant praise, but that that one person really mm. does make a difference. And if I'm out and I'm having a good night and the DJ is great, I will genuinely, even if I don't know the DJ, I'll make a point of going up and being like, honestly, that was really good. Yeah. And I, I feel like you can see you can see DJs sort of worrying as you're walking over, thinking this guy is going to request something, something awful. really obscure. But in the end, I think I think those little I think little compliments and. I'm happy to pay you some now because I've seen you DJ many times and I've watched you light up that Leadmill main room, even though I'll sometimes come up to you and you'd be like, oh, I'm a bit tired and hungover. I'm not really, you know, I'm not, I don't know if, I don't know if I'm feeling it tonight or whatever. But you, you're killing it regardless. And, and I think um, in particular, musicians should pay each other more compliments. Yeah, I know you. it's a competitive industry and we're all out to sort of make a bit of money and stuff here and there, yeah. but it is, um, it is tough. So... We're going to move on from this, uh, and we're going to talk about um, we're going to talk about Sheffield itself. But we're going to get another tune on first. So I think maybe we should we should probably cover the favourite song from a Sheffield artist. I know that's not in the order that I sent you, yeah. but I was really struggling with who to pick for a Sheffield artist because yeah. I adore Paul, the one of my favourite bands. Yeah, same with Milburn and you know, Arctic Monkeys. Got so many class tunes. Absolutely, yeah, I yeah. kind of decided not to go for anyone obvious I thought okay, cool. I'd go for an unsigned Sheffield bands so I've gone for This Is Not A Protest by Sheafs amazing okay cool so I've heard a lot about Sheafs yes they're really doing it at the minute in, in the local yeah, scene seems to be. And, and also national yeah, scene yeah they've gone on tour and they're really smashing it yeah um, yeah but one of the things I really like about that then when you see them live they kind of got to bring this energy where you know, even if they've just got a support slot, everyone's had seen other bands, they kind of go, no, sod this. Yeah. You're getting up and dancing. Yeah. 
So that was the sounds of sheaves, and this is not a protest. So we're going to talk about Sheffield a little bit because obviously you, you must love it. You play here a lot. You, you know a lot of the local bands. You've really got a, a quite a good following here as well. Yeah. Uh, you've got I know a lot of people. Yeah, no, a lot of people talk, speak very highly of you and and everyone uh, sort of around the bars and stuff that. Uh, I've ever heard you play and has always said the same. But what makes Sheffield uh, such an exciting music city for you? Is it like a, is there a good scene around the city like currently? Um, I think I think the thing with Sheffield it's it's just the right size. That it's it's not too small that's nothing happening, but it's not too big that everything's a bit disjointed. You know, to go back to that cliche that Sheffield's kind of the world's biggest village. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, the fact that. Everyone does know each other, and you know it's really good for networking in that sense. That you do get to meet the bands, you do get to meet the promoters, you do, yeah. you do know everything that's kind of going on and who the the, the kind of where, where the big nights are happening. Yeah, um, you know, obviously Sheffield is a music city. You know, in the eighties with the Human League and the bigger electronic scene. Oh, huge! Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. Then we kind of have pulp for a bit, and then. You know the mid noughties it kind of exploded with bands like Arctic Monkeys, Milburn, Lamonte, Revenue the Makers. What sort of period of, of Sheffield music have you found the most interesting? Like whether it be sort of current now or because have you always lived here? Yeah, I've always yeah. lived here. So so you you've sort of always been immersed in it. I mean, even, yeah. may, maybe when you were younger, not so much, but sort of mid mid noughties. Yeah, Arctic Monkeys mania. Yeah. What, what I, was that like when, living here? Was that a good time or? When when Arts and Monkeys were just making it big, I was about sixteen at the time mm-hmm. when the first album came out. Uh, so we were kind of I was aware of the Arctic Monkeys and um, kind of you know the fact that we were putting Sheffield back on the map, you know, nationally so to speak. Yeah, and then all the um, all the music magazines then, started coming looking for the next yeah. one. Yeah. Uh, and then I properly started coming out when I was about 17, 18, going to watch bands. So I kind of caught the tail end effects of Arctic Monkeys mainly, where every band that you go to see was trying to replicate yeah. the Arctic Monkeys. Yeah, so it all sort of yes. blurred, blurred into one and sounded so, the same in the end. Yeah, it was kind of quite exciting for a brief period, and then it just got very stale and very repetitive. Yeah. I think the Sheffield music scene didn't really recover for quite a long time yeah yeah um, I think the past year or so is is the point where I've started to get excited about the bands in Sheffield again that's fantastic and I think, yeah. I think at the minute with the promoters such as um, English Rain and um, Aaron doing his uh, amp stuff and yeah um, shout out to Aaron yeah um, it, there's a lot of really good promoters um, Ben down at Leadmill he's putting on a lot of good stuff as well yeah uh, the, the promoters are kind of getting really good touring bands but the bands coming from within Sheffield as well are the strongest I think since the that kind of Arctic Monkeys explosion yeah so let's talk about some of your favourites we've heard we've heard Sheafs already um, yeah. any other any other sort of favourites that you would tip at the minute the things that you're sort of feeling that you, you um, think other people should big, hear about big fan of the Sea Monsters um, Great. All girl bands. Uh, there's a band called Cora Pearl as well. Um, they're really interesting. Great. Like every song they've got sounds different, so they're quite exciting gigs that you never quite know what to expect is going to happen next. So yeah, um, they're, they're really good ones to watch. Uh, are there any club nights and stuff that are going on in Sheffield that you that you think? At the um, minute, are, are worth sort I of think... watching, or, or are you more of like a live gig sort of person, really? 
I'm a bit of both. Yeah. Um, I think I think the most exciting ones that are kind of new to the scene are the ones that are going on at Cafe Totem. Okay, um, yeah, yeah. The uh, Old Tomorrow's Parties has been there a while. There's a new one called Cosmic Jive, which is a bit more kind of 70s glam, Bowie and Mark Baldwin-esque. Yeah, of. that sounds great. Um, yeah. So I think in terms of the kind of the people DJing and putting on nights, the Cafe Totem seems to be the kind of place to be at the moment. Yeah. Because you're going to a lot of live gigs, I guess. Can you talk about a particular live gig that you went to see and it really was a moment where you sort of walked away and went, wow, that was that was really something. And uh, would you pick like a song from that band or, or artist? Yeah, so I mean, there's been quite a few gigs that I've kind of walked away from um, where I've gone, wow, yeah, like, yeah. That, that was really something special. Pulp at um, the Sheffield Arena. Yeah, I missed um, that one, I'm gutted. I'm never, Blair, yeah. down at Hyde Park. Amazing, yeah. Um, but I, I was kind of expected them to be good, and I, like although I walked away, it's like yeah, that was amazing. The the kind of the most life changing one for me was seeing the specials for the first time. Oh, fantastic! Yeah, uh, yeah. Before I kind of I was into my indie and I was into the kind of like bands like the Smiths and Joy Division, and I kind of went to go see the specials, and it just blew me away so much that I kind of had to go home and research all about Scar and then that yeah. kind of led me on to Soul and Motown and all the mod stuff. Yeah, so this kind of just set me on this like discovery of like this whole scene and fashion and way of dressing. And, oh, absolutely. And so the, that, that was like kind of one gig that I can kind of pin it back to. So. Yeah, what, so which, which song uh, so from the specials? So Gangsters by the Specials. Oh, it is a classic, let's get it on. So we just heard um, the specials, Gangsters, yes. which uh, was your tune from a life-changing gig, which is a fantastic choice, I would say. Um, we're going to talk a little bit more about sort of DJing as a career now. Um, what was it about DJing that made you sort of want to pursue it as a career? And uh, do you think you'll always sort of play music in some sort of capacity, even if it's not sort of for a living? Yeah. Um, with... With, with DJing, obviously, I kind of got given this chance to do it, and initially, it's like, oh, this is really cool. And yeah. then I started playing, and then, you know, I was playing, and then I get people up dancing or up on tables, and it was such a good feeling that you kind of you kind of want to go, well, I always want to replicate this. Why, why would I give this feeling up? Yeah, it is a bit of a mad rush that you yeah. can't really explain to anyone that's not really done it. Yeah. I've, uh, I've spoken to a lot of people. It's sort of sometimes a bit like the adrenaline you get from it, I think. Yeah. It's the same sort of thing that people get from stuff like skydiving and bungee jumping. Yeah. But I've never been that much of a daredevil, but I do love making people dance on tables. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. And like there's certain times, like it is an adrenaline thing, like there's certain times where I'll be up on stage on at Leadmill and I'll put on a song and everyone's just absolutely going nuts for it. Yeah. And I can just feel this smile creeping on my face. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And like I'm trying not to smile because I think, do I look a bit arrogant here? Yeah, like, yeah, you know, yeah. Um, 
you try you try to kind of like keep you cool and like yeah I am cool yeah. you just can't help like like beaming and kind of such a nice feeling that's the thing about people that love music as well though because you hear these songs sometimes in the same way that the audience do mm. so like the even even though you've heard a song eight million times you, you still love that song and you put it on and and and, and everyone cheers and you're like yes yeah. I'm glad that you're with me on this one because it is a great tune but um so bearing bearing that in mind we'll get straight into some more music yes um we're gonna go for your go-to dance floor filler that works every time so the one that gets everyone up the, yeah. the, the one the one genre of music that you can guarantee that you can play to any room of people, no matter how old, young, what they look like they're into musically, yeah, yeah. it's soul and Motown. Yeah, down and the middle, yeah, straight away. Straight away, anyone, everyone is up dancing to it. So, And the one song that just never fails is Superstition by Stevie Wonder. It's a jam, let's get it on. Stevie. <laughs> Superstition. It is a, just a jam. That it's the drums. As soon as it, like you know, there's a few tracks that you hear. As soon as the first drum beat kicks in, you know what it's going to be. Yeah. And I think and you, uh, hear, you hear that cheer go up. Like <laughs> I, I don't notice it as much as a punter, but when you're up there DJing, you realise that people are cheering in between songs. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's quite weird. I think in in life, if I was ever producing music, which I do from time to time, but never really seriously, making a song that's identifiable by the first beat or the first kick drum is like that. That's like a that's a goal, surely. Yeah. And the superstition absolutely does that. So we, we've sort of talked about the high points of DJing and how you got into it, and the, a bit about the music that you sort of like and how you feel about the scene around in general. But um, a lot of people sort of see DJing as a very glamorous. Uh, career choice and quite an easy career choice and I often have like a lot of people being like well how can you get paid so much to do so little and I'm like well there's actually a lot more to it that you don't see yeah. because you just see the sort of four hours that I'm actually playing you don't see the record collecting the hours of research that you go into after a specials gig yeah. to learn about scar and fashion and, and all that sort of stuff which is all very integral parts of of this it's, it's understanding cultures and and various different cultures and understanding people yeah. as well what's sort of the hardest part about djing for you is there like anything in particular that you've done in the past that you've learned from like a mistake that you might have made or or like a, a sort of path that you went down that that you you were just like oh that was sort of something that I thought was going to work at the time, but they yeah. never really did. And is there anything that you could sort of give us advice to sort of, if so someone's listening to this at home and they're like, I really would love to start DJing. I'm, I'm starting to build my music collection. I've got this confidence. I've got this like desire to go out and play music to people from, from you who's been doing it for a handful of yeah. years now. I think, I think that people kind of sat home and practicing and stuff is yeah. great. It's, but when you actually get out there and start getting gigs and actually interacting with the public, it's quite a 
yeah. a different ball game entirely. Absolutely. Um, obviously, the, the public are the, the guys that are buying the drinks and eventually paying your wages. Yeah. Um, and you know, all the highs do come from you know getting people up and dancing. May absolutely. Unfortunately, there is a certain element of customers and requests and just the way that people talk to you at times I think I think that to me is the most difficult part yeah is you know in certain in certain bars amongst a certain demographic of of punters they, yeah. they've got no no shame about coming up and telling you that the song that you're playing isn't very good can you play something we can dance to yeah that's, this is these are classic yeah. requests, and you were sort of talking about earlier, like walking away from a gig and and sort of being in this sort of limbo. Like I've just DJ for five hours, so your brain's a bit frazzled anyway because you've been you've been doing numbers. I mean, you've not been doing maths, but you've been doing numbers in your head, yeah. like remembering things and all that sort of stuff. And then you walk away from a gig sometimes, and you're like, was that all right? Did I do a good job? Yeah. Uh, and and then. To have that sort of memory of those people coming up to you being like quite rude, yeah, yeah, being rude and, and negative towards that, yeah, that is a that is a hard sort of thing. But so, I mean, how would you sort of how do you deal with that? I think I think it's it's quite quite important to remember that you can't please all of the people all of the time. You know, sometimes you will just have have nights where you know you do have people coming up and being a bit funny and stuff and sometimes there's some there's some bloke sat in the corner by himself at a table not dancing not moving yeah, yeah. and sometimes they're the ones who come up to you and go that was absolutely wicked that yeah that's you know, it so i think i think that it's usually the the vocal minority that come up to you with a dissatisfied request sort of thing mate absolutely and so, i mean is that sort of the, the toughest part about djing for you is, is just Dealing, dealing with people that, that don't seem to be appreciating what you're doing. I think, I think on on the night, in terms of an actual gig, that's that's the most difficult part. Yeah. Um, it's, like, like you touched on before, it's the less glamorous side away from gigs. Yeah. The kind of, the, you know, hand-to-mouth, you know, living week to week. Yeah, um, yeah. I kind of touched on before, you know, there's no, there's no job security. Yeah, um, this is very true. You know, like even if you're a resident, there's no necessarily no guarantee contract. Yeah, there's yeah, there's no reason that you can be resident one week and you can't be the next week. And I've gone I've gone when I first started DJing to many different venues and built my confidence up, I think, and maybe got a bit cocky with it. Yeah. And then ended up without residencies that I'd that I'd had before. Yeah. Um and this this happens quite regularly in our industry, and it and people don't really think about it. They just assume, oh, you're a DJ. That's cool. Yeah. You must get gigs all the time. You know, and like you touched on, yeah, we do get a good hourly rate, but realistically, there's only about ten to fifteen hours a week where we can actually get that good hourly rate. Yeah, that's and it. it's normally the times nobody else wants to work. Yeah, yeah. Um, it's so, quite it's quite difficult to earn money midweek. Yeah, it's even harder to earn money if you need to take the night off sick. Yeah. If you're unwell, you know, you just don't earn money. Mate, absolutely. Um, we're going to get into another song quickly and then we're going to talk about this a little bit more because I think this is an interesting part of, of DJing. This might just be a personal opinion, but I feel like um, sharing that with, not just with people that want to become DJs or people that are musicians, but sharing that with other people that want to hear a little bit about sort of our industry. Because I've got a lot of friends that always ask me, 
what it's like to be a DJ. Yeah. And I was like, one day I'll do a podcast and you'll know all about <laughs> it. And here that is. Um, but because we were talking about, we were touching briefly on sort of dance floor um, fillers before. Yes. What sort of song is your song that you really love, but it, it never really goes down particularly well with everyone else? So it's another, it's another soul record. Um, and I think it's just got this wicked kind of bass line, really dancey, Great. gets me going every time. Yeah. Everyone else just kind of shuffles awkwardly to it and don't, not re- really, don't really know it, kind of inoffensive. Um, it's, like... a, it's a cover um, right. of Sonny and Cher. It's a cover of I've Got You Babe by Etta James. Amazing. Okay, let's get some Etta on and then we'll talk a little bit more about DJ and Woes after that. James in your ears covering Sonny and Cher I Got You Babe was your choice for a dance floor killer yeah it's a song that I absolutely adore but for some reason just no one else really wants to dance but is it one of those ones you stick by every time you're like I'm going to play it I don't care that you don't like it it tends to get earlier on in the night when people aren't as interested as much I feel like you've got to have a few moments when you're playing sometimes like especially if you're playing like a long set it's like I'm bored of all these songs I hear all the time it's kind of with with the DJ the kind of place that I play it's about kind of throwing a party really yeah absolutely to people that you've never met yeah and you've got to keep it going absolutely and, and going and going people will come and leave and it is it is a marathon and it's not a sprint absolutely um, and you know another bit of advice I'd say to anyone starting out is don't don't throw all of your best records in, in a 20 minute period yeah then pace you'll it be, out you'll be left for the rest of the night you know you get everyone up and dancing and then the energy will drop and you've got nothing in reserve to yeah pick it back up again I think it's taken me years to build up a bank of music uh, in a way where I'm sort of kind of confident to now go and do a six or seven hour set if mm. I need to because it's taken me a lot of experiences of, of getting to that point where I'm like I've run out of music. Um, so talking about the stresses of the industry, there's like a lot of support for workers in like normal organisations. So if you work in an office, um, when it comes to sort of mental health or career development, there's like there's offices like my friends work in offices. They've got their own counsellor. They can go they have free counselling at work. They've got um, you know like their big boss will come and talk to them about their career development, and they're like, okay, so where do you want to be in five years? You don't really get that when you DJ, and you just sort of like. I've got a gig this week and I've got a gig next week and I've got a gig the week after that, but then what about the week after that? Mm. And where do you sort of get to? What point are you considered successful? Like I think but one of the things as well that I kind of, you know, hear from other DJs, other performers, you know, you see it even right up to the top that yeah. um, after you have had a particularly good gig and you are on a real high from it and you're going, that was wicked. Yeah, yeah. And the next day you can crash so hard. Yeah, that's it. And then it's kind of, well, what do I do now? <laughs> if that was the best day of your life, yeah. then the next day is the day after the best day of your life. It's like Boxing Day. Yeah, exactly. Every week. <laughs> exactly, yeah. So so where, 
like how do you how do you sort of deal with that that come down that like you've done you've done a phenomenal gig like I, I sort of have to I have to prepare myself now because if I'm doing very very exciting shows yeah and then I've got just normal sort of bar gigs or whatever the, the week afterwards I can get really down because I'll be like last week I was playing in you know yeah. in this incredible festival or something to like 3,000 people on the main stage and this week I'm playing to Barbara and her four mates from the office who hate everything that I'm doing and have come up to me four times and told me that I'm a terrible DJ and 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 they don't even know who I am but how so how do you deal with that sort of I don't I don't, I don't want to say uncertainty but like that like the they're like little wins I would say yeah I, I, I've like I, like I said before like you, you do take your little wins where you get them yeah. Um, uh, I work at a bar called the Green Room, which has got about capacity about eighty people to hundred. Yeah. So you go, you go from you know, like say, playing in front of thousands of people to then playing to eighty people. But then you, you kind of go, well, you know what? That bloke there, I've 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 got him dancing so hard that he's had to get up on the table. Yeah, yeah, and then yeah, you, yeah. You do take your little wins like that. So that's, that, that, that's one way that I kind of cope with it. Yeah. Um, just just trying trying to trying to enjoy the little things basically yeah. I think um I think my my main thing is to sort of try and keep myself grounded and, and remember that what we get to do is pretty special yeah as much as we've sort of been like oh it's great but then there's all these terrible things it is it's an amazing job and we're both yeah. pretty happy to to have it but I think I'm just sometimes I am like I need to do normal life things like I need to go walk around a lake or like and you know I just need to see my mates and be ripped about my football team or something yeah. for, for half an hour. For DJs that are just starting out and they're, they're doing sort of gigs and then they're getting all these big highs and big rushes and then sort of maybe coming away from it and feeling a little bit sort of, oh, I've done this one gig, but I don't know when my next one's going to be. And, and that was really great, but I, I'm sort of a bit depressed now because that, that's over. Mm. Like, is there sort of a way to sort of manage the expectancy? Just just savour the little things? and Yes, yeah, savour the little things. Um you know, like I said, enjoy your downtime. Yeah. Go out, do the things that you still enjoy doing. Yeah. Um, I think I think one of the big things for me when I'm not at work is getting out there, going and seeing a local band, networking. I would say the same thing, especially early on in your DJ career. That the most important thing really to do is get out to all the club nights that you like to. to, to attend as a punter listen to all that music like soak it all in because I find now um I mean that you know I want to brag about it or anything but I've got to the point where I probably do have gigs most weekends mm. so it, it it's more difficult for me now if I see a great club night to go out to it and see yeah. what's sort of going on and what's sort of happening in, in the world of music outside what I play like I know what I play yeah but I, I don't know what anyone else is playing. And, and yeah, I, I feel like that as well. Like sometimes you can get a bit too close to it. Yeah. And then you kind of go, well, I've been playing the same records for about six weeks now. And I've yeah. got no idea what everyone else is playing. Yeah. I've not got time to go and see what they're playing. Yeah, and like styles and artists will pass me by. Yeah. Like, I, I think this also comes with age as well because I'm not like a 21-year-old kid anymore that's like really into the latest sort of sounds. Yeah. I've heard a lot of things by now and I sort of know kind of a little bit of what I like. And every now and then I'll hear something, I'll be like, oh, that's great. But then I'll be talking to someone younger that goes to the club every week and they'll be like, oh, they play that in here like all the time. This is like a really old record or whatever. Yeah. So I, th I, th I do think it is important, especially when you're just starting out to really 
if you yeah immerse immerse yourself in that but then also remember to take time to do the little things and 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 take a step away from it and really try and try and ground yourself because the expectations versus reality thing is a big is a big sort of thing for djs i reckon and um, with that in mind, I guess let's get into, let's get into some music to really pick up the mood. Um, so I'm going to ask you now if you can pick a song from a time that music really defined sort of a period or experience in your life. So if you could have like a song for a particular moment in your memory, yeah, um, uh, what would it be? I mean, we kind of looked at this as kind of like which would be the song that would be on the soundtrack of my life yeah um, absolutely so I've, I've gone for a song that kind of just means more than any other song to me I think yeah um, and that's What You Could Have Won by Milburn it's closing time and it's getting late can you fetch my coat cause I don't feel too great anymore but I want to stay oh don't you want to stay as well that you do I've got this funny feeling that you don't feel like I do This conversation's just passing you by I know it, I can see it in your eyes You've had one too many low and behold You're telling the secrets that can't be told It feels so special, it feels so bold But then you knock me back and I fall I fall to the floor So we're going to talk a little bit now about how you prepare for DJ sets and then sort of maybe a little bit about sort of what you play on and sort of formats and stuff that you, you yeah. deal with. People are quite surprised when they talk about what, what prep do you do before a gig to get ready for it. And for, for me, I try to do as little as possible before a gig. Yeah. Um, I, I have my, I, so I DJ have CDs, I've got my bag of CDs um, and I just Sometimes, unless it's like a very special event or say New Year's Eve where you kind of plan in advance what I'm going to play at midnight. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I try to do as little prep as possible because the kind of thing, you never know what kind of room you're going to walk into that night. Yeah. And although you kind of got an idea of the venue and the night it is and your previous expectations, you still don't know really what's going to make that crowd tick. So if you're looking for new music to play, you've got a set coming up, you want a few new tunes, where do you sort of look, how do you get them? I mean, for me, Twitter's quite a big a big thing for my DJ career. It kind of, yeah. it, it helped get my name out there initially, it helped get my name out there with the punters and, and kind of helped build my following that way. Yeah. But I can also see what my following is saying and what, what they're talking about with, with regards to music and... I can keep my kind of finger on the pulse with what my following. So yeah, no, 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 no. That's interesting because I guess you follow them as well. So you, you've made mutual friends almost with yeah. these with these people that are interested in you playing music, and you're listening to what they're saying about what they're listening to. Yeah, and um, then feeding back to them, I guess through because yeah, I guess they come to your it. gigs. Yeah. So so tw- Twitter and you know Spotify is quite a good one. Um, yeah. Not just for Spotify recommending stuff to you. You know, you can have a look at your friends, have a look at their playlist, see what kind of stuff 
Absolutely. People, you know, I, I think I may have looked at yours or some other DJs in the past playlists that, you know, other people are putting together. Yeah, yeah. Um, and like you said, you know, uh, the stuff you touched on, like Radio 6, music quite on it. Yeah, yeah. Um, picking up magazines and, um, you know, so on. And quite often I'll just, if I'm out and I hear a song I like, I'll get Shazam out. Yeah, yeah, Shazam, bit, yeah, Shazam's great. Even, 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 so, like sometimes I get a funny look, so it'll be like the most obvious song in the world, but I just don't have it in my repertoire. Yeah, yeah, so yeah. So I'll just get Shazam out, so that I've got a mental note in the morning. Mate, absolutely, so. But then everyone's going, surely you must know this song. Like, yeah, yeah, well, I, know, <laughs> I know what it is, but I just want to remember what it is. Yeah. I've had three beers or whatever, you know. <laughs> three beers and then home. It's always the rule, kids. Um, so, and also, before we get into another tune, another selection, yeah. a fine selection from you, um, are there any DJs that sort of you you love their sets you, that, that you're sort of particularly inspired by, like you know, sort of locally or, or nationally that you rob tunes from all the time? I think, I think the first person that came to mind and he needs absolutely massive props is Adam Morley at the Lead Mill. Shout out to Adam Morley at the Lead Mill. Saturday night huge legend. props. He's been there 27, 28 years now, I think. Wow. Which is a very long. That is stint. a huge. That's a huge commitment to a, you know yeah. to that venue. That's that's fantastic. Um, but he he still keeps it fresh and he's always finding new music. Yeah. And Which is a sign of a great DJ, I would, yeah. I would say. He, um, he's he's one that absolutely lives, breathes, eats music. You yeah. Know. Yeah. He's um, has, has a music for breakfast. Yeah. In terms of the soul side, Darren Gray, uh, the Moffat DJ who first got me into DJing, is a big inspiration. Darren's main strength as a DJ is that he can read the crowd like no other DJ I've ever met. Yeah. And he just knows how to you know just get the crowd going yeah and shout uh, out to Darren yeah and um, Andy Smith his fantastic collection of seven inches Andy Smith has some fantastic seven inches this is yeah. absolutely true I was speaking to Andy a couple of weeks ago quite drunk about this and because I think there's kind of two types of DJs and, yeah. got, and both types look up to the other one you've got your specialists yeah and you've got your crowd pleasers. Yeah, and we've spoken about this before, yeah. and I love your theory on this, so please. So, such as me and self, we're crowd pleasers. Absolutely. And I don't know whether that comes out of an insecurity, that, you know, if we let, let a set drop, they go, oh God, I've got to pick it back up again. And, you know, we're there to please the masses, and, yeah. you know, just throw on the best party possible. Yeah. Your specialists don't care. And it's that kind of sheer you know, pig-headedness that I admire so much. Yeah, mate, absolutely. They, I, I you know, feel like, like... Like you said, you know, people like Andy, there's no compromise. Yeah. And, you know, he knows what he wants to do with that. He knows that he's got a cool collection of yeah. records. Um, so we're going to move on a little bit because we've been talking about new music and stuff like that. So I want to talk with you now about the future. Yes. Uh, and in particular, a song from sort of current times, like a song that's out now, by a band or an artist that you think, when we look back in 20 years, that song, for me, really sort of reminds me of that time in my life. Yeah. I kind of, I did I did go for one that I think will be quite important for for most people. Okay. Um, I've gone for four out of five by the Arctic Monkeys. Yeah, fantastic um, record. I know we've spoken to them quite a bit, but they're such a massively influential band. And they've come out of left field with this album, which initially was quite polarising. And I think because they do have such a massive influence in bands, I, I do think we will see 
other bands kind of looking at rediscovering the artists that you know did influence his records. So I do I do think it's it will be an important album. I, I think in the next couple of years we'll tell whether I'm right or not whether no, I do do follow suit with it. I agree hugely. So four stars out of five, Arctic Monkeys, Alex Turner, take it away. Just like take it easy for a little while, come and stay with us. It's such an easy flight, you new places keep on popping up since the exodus. It's all getting gentrified. I put a tackle on the roof, it was well So, um, four stars out of five by Arctic Monkeys. I said when that album first came out, quite openly, that I loved it. I thought it was brilliant and bizarre. And like the first time that I've sort of been made to listen to an album in recent years as like a sort of a journey of work, basically. Yeah. I mean, I was I, I was quite I was I was up with you with uh, Tranquil Space when I first listened to it. I kind of went in with. My selfish DJ ears on. Yeah, you're like, there's no hits that I can yeah. I can play, and you know I have played four or five hours, and it does work quite well, and people yeah, sing yeah. along to it and enjoy it. But you couldn't drop it in the middle of like a dance set. No, yeah, you yeah. Know, when people are dancing, and yeah, you've got to get your timing right with the sound. Yeah. But as I've kind of listened to it more and more, it's grown on me a lot. Yeah. So we've we've chatted quite a lot about your sort of progression and and stuff like that. Um, do you think that DJs and musicians are like fully appreciated and, and sort of looked after in the UK? And do you think there's anything that we could do to sort of improve situations? And uh, do you think there's always going to be sort of a demand for live DJ performance? Or do you think maybe DJing could go into sort of a, a bit of a world where it's all run by computers and all you have to do is sort of scan your fingerprint and then Spotify will play you exactly what you want to hear? Mm. It, it is an interesting one we're kind of talking about whether there will be a need for DJs in the future. Mm -hmm. So I think there will be, at some point, an algorithm that's able to analyse how an much entire people, room. an entire room, yeah, how many well. people are dancing, um, <clears throat> yeah. at how hard they're dancing, what they're dancing to, what songs are similar to that. Yeah. Hopefully that won't happen in our lifetime. <laughs> no, yeah, no, I, I, um, I, I think, I always think there's going to be a, a desire for sort of a human touch to it, but I do think, I do find that quite interesting. Yeah. Um, uh, yeah, I, I do think that I'd like to think that people would still be purists and go, well, we need the human we yeah, need the yeah. DJ here. Like the same way that they like vinyl now. We yeah. need the human now. Yeah, yeah, yeah that's it. Um, but it is interesting, kind of, you know, even like, like you said, with your own Spotify, you know, you listen to music, you keep listening to music, and then it comes up with a daily mix and yeah. stuff like yeah. recommending it. Actually, yeah, I, great. I, I, I do like that. that. Yeah, I love that song, yeah, yeah. So it's quite an interesting concept. Do you think that like musicians and DJs in the UK could be encouraged a bit more and like nurtured a bit more? And do you think that's important, or do you think they should just get on with it? Um, I mean, DJs and bands, musicians, I think, are quite different in in their approach and kind of how they need to be looked after. Yeah. Um, I think bands, particularly on. You know, the earlier, you know, I don't say lower side, but you know, in the earlier stage of the formation, yeah, absolutely. do get a much rawer deal out yeah. of just gigging than what 
we do as DJs. It's hard, mate. It's um, hard, and it's hard know, to keep. Lot, it's hard to keep. A lot of bands will will play a gig just for beers, and that's yeah. having you know counting the cost of the petrol yeah. to get them there. That's it. Um, so it's hard to keep your enthusiasm when you've got that as well. Like, yeah. Remember the first when I was in bands years ago, the first gig we did, we got paid like twenty quid, and we were like amazing and yeah. we spent it at the bar straight away <laughs> so they gave us the money we spent it back like we, yeah. we weren't really that bothered but at the same time it was nice that they gave us 20 quid uh, so let's pick another tune and um, let's go for a because it's summertime and it's pretty sweltering hot and we're both sweating away inside this room in here let's go for your favorite sort of summertime stroll walking in the sunshine in the evening tune i had a couple of choices for this one all right uh, it, it eventually i settled on this one because it just when you listen to it, it just screams summer. Big time. Uh, and it's California Soul by Marlene Shaw. It's a tune, let's get it on. Like a sound you hear that lingers in your ear But you can't forget from sundown to sunset nah, nah. It's all in the air, you hear it everywhere No matter what you do it's gonna grab a hold on you California soul California soul Drawing towards the end of our podcast now, but just a few more little bits I'd like to sort of talk about with you because I think you're a fascinating chap and I've really enjoyed just... Um, you know, chewing chewing the fat with you. Um, so let's talk about special venues. Like, what sort of what makes a venue sort of special for you? And uh, what's your sort of like dream gig? Uh, like somewhere you could, if you could play anywhere in the world, where would you where would you want to play? Um, I think I think what makes any venue special and any gig you do, you know, we've spoken about before, but it is the people there, and it is the people that give it that kind of energy. Big time. Um, you know, it's it's great when you go somewhere and it has got a you know great history or it's a beautiful building. Yeah. Or you know, like I said, the decks are in beautiful yeah. condition. Working you condition. Know. Yeah. yeah. Wow. Like, wow. It is quite. Thank but you know, you. it is nice. But I think the things that make it truly special is the the kind of group of people that you've got there. Make big night. time. Um, and you know, it's quite nice when you are a resident. You do get to see the same faces. Yeah. Um, you know, you get it at the Washington, you see it at Leadmill, uh, you see the same faces week in, week out, and then, you know, the same faces start making friends with each other. Yeah, that's it. also it. becomes like this family. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's, you know, it's quite a special thing to sort of almost feel part of. Yeah, that's nice. Um, I, I think that's, that's, that's a great answer, really. So, yeah. kind of community in that as well. Um, We've got a couple more song choices from you, so let's get let's get some on real quick. Mm. Um, if you have to listen to this particular song every single day at least once for the rest of your life, can you pick a song that you'd be happy to hear every day for the rest of your life every without day. getting bored of? So, when you're DJing, and I'm sure you've had this, is certain songs you get bored of. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and there's certain songs that you you used to play all of the time that you kind of dropped out of rotation completely because mm-hmm. it's an epic pair, it? This is one song that I've played since my first gig, and I've played this at any opportunity. I get to do a soul set. Yeah. Um, it, it's a song I never get bored of listening to. Absolutely adore this song, and it's hard to handle by Otis Redding. Absolute tune. Let's get some Otis on. Mm-hmm. 
the scene I can give you what you want But you got to go home with me I forgot some good old love And then I got some in store When I get through throwing it on you You got to come back for more Boys and things will come by the dozen That ain't nothing but drugs go love it Pretty little Okay, so Otis Redding, Hard to Handle, absolute jam of a tune. Getting back to the DJing side of things, because that's pretty much what this entire podcast is talking about, um, is there anything that you sort of wished that you'd known in hindsight before you started um, getting involved with DJing and music as a career? Uh, sort of things that you would change like now and sort of advice and encouragement that you give to others um, that again that are starting out or even sort of a midpoint in their career and they're sort of I mean I, I sort of feel that sometimes I have a maybe I'll have a slump in gigs or uh, I sometimes lose some enthusiasm because it's hard to remain constantly positive and, and sort of happy about stuff especially when you just stood on your own for a long time you've got a lot of time with your own thoughts yeah so it's, it's it's quite a lonely job because it is just you there for most of the time yeah on your own um and it is it does take up pretty much a whole weekend yeah and if you know you've got friends that are in office jobs and they're going out of the weekend sometimes the only time you get to see them is if they've made the efforts come down to your gig yeah and but then you don't really get to talk to them no. properly because you've got to work so, so. so you know all your friends are there on a night out that they kind of think you're part of, but you're there thinking, I'm not part of this. Absolutely. So, yeah. you know, yeah. it, is, it is quite a lonely job anyway, because it is just you stood there watching everyone else having fun. Yeah, I um, agree. And it, it can be quite difficult to maintain friendships, especially with people who work the traditional nine to five. Yeah. Because um, your weekend sometimes is on a Monday and Tuesday and you want to yeah. go to the pub and you've got you know, you've got, you know, three mates you ring up and you're like, do you fancy coming to the pub? They're like, it's a Monday. Who yeah. goes to the pub on a Monday? And, and quite quite often as well, you know, it's you, you're on a different sleeping pattern completely because you're not getting to bed until six, yeah. seven o'clock in the morning. And then also you're eating very unhealthily. Yeah. So I think this is another thing that I sort of would love to discuss in a future podcast. I'd love to talk to a nutritionist about um, sort of diets for musicians and DJs because when I finish work at three or four in the morning, there aren't kebab. that there aren't that many options that are open food wise. Unless you've <laughs> unless you've prepared something in advance. But you know, sometimes I'm sat at home for six hours, I'm compiling tunes for the night, I'm working on mixes, I'm doing my invoices, I'm doing my tax returns, yeah. I'm doing all this other stuff that I'm sort of juggling. I don't know about you, quite often I, I try to get in a little nap before I'm at work. Yeah, exactly. Like, yeah, yeah. I know I'm going to be up until five o'clock in the morning. Exactly, yeah, sleeping for an hour before yeah. you go to work, that sort of stuff, you know. Um, so yeah, it is, it is, it is sort of a tough career and, and I do think that a lot of people maybe underestimate it a little bit sometimes that, mm. that especially the lonely side of things, they just sort of see you up on a stage. Like, um, I mean, I was sort of, Avicii wasn't sort of my favorite musician of all yeah. time, but I respected sort of what he did and this, the sadness that he, you know, sort of took his life earlier this year really did seep into my conscious because I was like, he, he's sort of done similar things to what I've done, but on a larger scale. Yeah. So for him to feel like that, it must have been must have been very sad. So let's get into let's get into a final couple of tunes um, from you. 
So I've I've got. Um, I think the last one is. I think it is just there's just one more. So if we can get into the song that you wish you could have written, if you're if you're a songwriter, which yeah. is which is um, that when 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 you sent me over the list, there was one song that pops in my head straight away, so I had to go with this. Yeah, and it's something changed by Pulp. Yeah. I think it's just such a beautifully written song, you know, without sounding a bit wet. It's one of those songs that you kind of wish that you'd written to Serenade a Girl with. I wrote this song two hours before we met. I didn't know your name or what you looked like yet. I, I could have stayed at home and gone. I could have gone to see a film in the stand You might have changed your mind and seen your friends Life could have been very different but then Finally, we're going to sign off today on like sort of a bit of a high note. We've discussed the low points, we've discussed the high points, we've gone into a little bit of your history and some of your experiences within the sort of DJ industry, yeah. both at entry level and playing to thousands of people every week, which you yeah. do. Um, so during your time as a DJ, you must have had some pretty interesting horror stories and the worst things that have happened to you whilst playing music is my next yeah. And final question. Mine's more self-inflicted, so this would be a word of warning to other, okay. other DJs, yeah. which is don't get too drunk. Don't get too drunk, kids. It was New Year's Eve, and it was the first time I played this place at New Year's Eve. It was a big deal. It was my biggest gig to date. Yeah. But it was also New Year's Eve, and of course. I thought, you know what, I'm not going to get to see my friends at midnight, so we'll have a bit of a pre-drinks got a little bit messy uh, and then we got to the venue and I carried on drinking. I can't remember what I did for my midnight song or if I even did a midnight song. <laughs> By one o'clock, half one, I couldn't remember who I was, what song I just played. Oh. So I kept playing the same <clears throat> songs over and oh, over wow. and over. Uh, I think I played Baseline by Revan the Makers three times in the space of 20 minutes. So oh, wow. That wasn't too clever. It <laughs> gets worse. Okay. I was like, it was New Year's Eve, so I was like, got all suited up, really smart. Yeah, uh, and made an got, effort. Got a can of Red Stripe, as you do. DJ Juice. It. DJ Juice, full can of DJ Juice. Put on a record, spilt the whole can of Red Stripe down me. I was just covered in beer. And um, my flat at the time was around the corner from this particular venue right. for like, I took like a minute walk. Yeah. So in my head, I thought I could put on Paul Compey for it's five minutes, 50 seconds long, run home, get changed, run back, it'll be fine. Don't worry about <laughs> it. So I put the song on, I run home, ship straight out of the trousers because they're soaking wet, tried to find my one pair of jeans, could not find them anywhere. <laughs> All I could find was my pyjama bottoms. So I had to put my pyjama bottoms on 
of a parker on and walk past the smoking area back into the venue hoping no one saw me did you make it back in time for the I end did, of the song I did make it back in that time that's pretty impressive for the that, end of the that, song. That, that gave me like a little bit of a heart attack yeah. at, at the time of 5 minutes 50 I've been in these situations before yeah that's probably just enough time but yeah great so you DJ'd the rest of the night in your pyjama bottoms well no because then I came to my senses a bit and I decided to text my girlfriend at the time uh, say, oh, by the way, can you nip home and get me a change of trousers? <laughs> Which is what I should have done in the first place, but obviously yeah. drunk logic was yeah, yeah, out drunk, of the window. Everything went out of the window and you decided to run home. Incredible. I, like The next year they, that I had to promise them that I wasn't going to get drunk this year. Well, I got invited back to the New Year's Eve, which I was, I was really happy with because <laughs> I wasn't sure yeah. if I was even going to be allowed to pay there ever again. But yeah, the following time, Alex, please don't get drunk this year. Yeah. It's like, okay. And you were like, oh, you knew about that. <laughs> oh, okay. Yeah, great. Um, so it's been absolutely fantastic talking to you. And thank, thank you, you so me. much for taking the time out to come and sit with me in this dressing room that and just thank chat you. about DJ stuff and pick some tunes for us. So I'm going to sign off and and just say a little bit about um, where you where we can sort of catch you gigging um, in the immediate future. Have you got anything lined up? I play the Green Room at the end of the month on the fourth Friday and the fourth Saturday of the month. Um, That's on uh, Division Street. On Division Street. Uh, I do the Washington on... I don't even know what road it's on. I used to live on it as well. Yeah, yeah. Oh, but yeah. <laughs> the Washington in Sheffield. This is Trafalgar. If you don't know where it is, what's wrong with you? Yeah. Yeah, so I'm at the Washington on the first and third Saturday of the month. Brilliant. Um you can find me at Leadmill a lot of the Fridays. Um I do I do tend to post by uh, regular dates on my Twitter account. Yeah, fantastic. So is, what's your what's your Twitter handle? It's uh, DJ underscore Alex Cooper. Fantastic. And uh, make sure everyone sort of follows you on social media. And thank you again for sitting down with us. Thank you for having me. No problem. This podcast was sponsored by Alex Cooper's DJ Juice, also known as Red Stroke.